Welcome back to another episode of an Athletic Life podcast. I'm your host, Schneef. Today we have a special guest with us, Brian Harper, Weber State quarterback. Brian, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Good. Could you just introduce yourself for the audience for a second? Yeah, I'm Brian Harper. I, like you said, I'm from Weber State. I'm from California. Played JUCO for a couple years over there and been at Weber now. It's going into my second season, so. So what do you enjoy about playing football? What what about football gives you passion for the game? Um, I think for me, football is like the ultimate kind of test of all physical and mental like ability, especially being quarterback. Um, it's a lot of you have to be able to physically do a lot of different things, but it's a lot of mental preparation and it's like figuring out the puzzle, you know, trying to trying to break down the defense and so it's both both physical and mental which is I think is a really fun aspect that is kind of unique compared to some other sports yeah absolutely I mean our quarterbacks they're watching film all the time they're in there you know Sundays right after a game they're in there breaking down the game film and then film for the next team and also you have to be physically gifted to play quarterback because you know a lot of guys that are 510 they can't do it if they can't see over their offensive linemen so you got to be physically talented, mentally talented. It's you, you really have to have a whole skill set to be successful at the quarterback position. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think it's just it's it's unique because you know there's a lot of different styles of quarterback. You have, you know, your guys that are mobile, your guys that are pocket passers, and they don't all look the same, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of variety in in the different styles of quarterbacks and everything. What is your inspiration within football? Um, my inspiration within football, like, do you mean like, like a player or like what? What drives you? So I'm from a really small town and, uh, football is really big there. Just like my town's probably 3,500 people, but the, we'd still have a ton of people show up to games. So the support in high school for me was huge. And so I just love being able to go home and, like go help those players and coach them up and they get to see me and work with, with a college athlete and just show them that like, Hey, you know, even though you're from Weaverville, you know, little tiny town, you don't have to stop playing here. Like you can keep going, you can keep playing. So that for me, it's a big, big part of, of why I do it. Yeah. You know, I'm in the same boat as you. I came from a small town, just trying to, this may be a little bit cliche, but you know, put the city on the map. One of those things, yep, you know, 100%. Talented football players can come from small towns too. It's not just the big schools where you have the highly touted athletes that are recruited and praised a bunch. You know, there's good players everywhere across the country. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's special just because in small towns, football is you know something that they only have in that town is football. You know, there's not a ton of other sports or not necessarily successful sports, and football just seems to bring people together. You know, because guys who are old and they're seventy. They play football and they're going to think that they know everything about football. And then you got the young guys who just graduated or they're getting into coaching and they think they know everything and it just mm-hmm. brings people together. Yeah. It's definitely like, like the football community just kind of all around wherever you go is something different. You know, you'll always be able to have people to talk to and, and relate to. Yeah. It's unique with football because let's take, you know, volleyball, for example, or baseball, volleyball and baseball across the country. It's, it's kind of the same, you know, but football in the South, looks way different than football in the North and the East coast and the West coast, you know, not all of it's the same. There's 
different styles of football that people like to play depending on where you are in the country. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really unique for that sport. Um, what drives you to be great? Like, you know, a hard worker just to keep going. You went Juco for a while. You didn't get the opportunity out of high school. What just keeps pushing you to like, I'm going to be the best every single day. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to show up, kick ass. I just like to compete, honestly. Like, like I, I like to compete. I like to win. So the more I can push myself, the more I can challenge myself, the more um, I can kind of just keep, I mean, winning, I guess my eyes, it doesn't have to be like a win, but as like getting better is a win, you know? So like, like, as I, as I keep working, then I'm keep getting towards the goal. And so like, just for me, the more I can compete, the better I feel. So that's, that's a lot of that for me. Like when I'm not playing football, I did track too. So just going out there and competing, growing up, I played every sport I could, you know, um, I like to go, when I work out, I like to just push it as hard as I can, you know, just trying to win any, in any aspect I can. Yeah. And honestly, I think that's kind of a lost art nowadays is just being able to push yourself and compete in everything you do. And people, I'm going to, people are going to argue with me about this, but I think it's easier to be great nowadays than it, you know, it was 25 years ago. And people are going to argue this saying, you know, the athletes are way better, you know, nowadays than they were 25 years ago. Sure. But I think there's less people that are willing to go that extra mile, get off the couch and push themselves when they don't have to. And that's why I think it's easier to be great nowadays. Yeah, definitely. I think just the fact that, you know, every day you show up and you want to get better, you're setting yourself up for success. Sure. In the near future, but, down the road too, the longevity of your success is going to carry with you if you have that mindset every day and you attack everything with the with the winner's mentality Mm -hmm. yeah like it doesn't even have to be like football you can try to find some way to to win like doesn't matter what you're doing you know so that's kind of what i try to take that with me everywhere like if it's grades or if it's football or whatever just trying to trying to always win you know yeah, absolutely. Set yourself for success in everything you do, and you're going to be successful no matter what. No one's going to hold you back. It's it's you versus the world. Definitely, definitely. Absolutely. When did you know that you wanted to be a quarterback? Um, Honestly, like, from when I was really little, my first memory watching football was watching Brett Favre on the Packers. And just kind of since then, like, I just always wanted to be a quarterback. At that time, did you know that the quarterback was – was the guy he was the one kind of holding the offense together I think I had a a vague idea but I I don't think I knew kind of the depth of what a quarterback really was or what it did but I mean I think I had just kind of a the idea that he was you know the play caller and it kind of went through him but not to the extent of of what it truly was at the time yeah because it's a it's a lot different you know when uh you're in high school to college it's uh it's a different experience and uh, you got a lot on your plate oh 100 that was high school to college was a huge learning curve for me too because from my high school it was really just kind of show up and play be an athlete there wasn't a lot of in-depth reading of defenses or crazy offensive plays we had so when I got to college it was a, a big learning curve of of what the position really was too and I think that that is uh, kind of what flushes people out of being college quarterbacks or they get position changes they're not able to handle all the pressure or the the new experiences that come with being a quarterback. Mm -hmm. What would you say the hardest part about it is? Um, I think 
just kind of the like earlier I was saying the balance of it all because you can be really physically talented, but if you're not gonna mentally put in the work to learn the playbook and to to really know what the other defense is doing, then it, you're not gonna be successful. And same vice versa, you know, if you you can put in all the time in the world, but if you in the in the meeting room, but if you aren't putting in the work physically or if you just kind of aren't aren't there, then it's not going to be successful either. So it's really just a balance of the two. Yeah. And, you know, I'll break it down for the audience a little bit. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know Weaver's system, but so you get the play from the sideline and then you yeah. have to relay the information to the other 10 guys that are on the field. You got to make sure everyone's on the same page. You got to get the cadence. You get up to the line of scrimmage. You got to figure out the coverage. If it's a pass play, is it man? Is it zone? Is it too high? Is it some sort of cover one cover zero? Are they bringing the house? You have to process all of this while the play clock's running down and then get yourself to the right call. It's a lot for a quarterback, and you have to be mentally prepared, and that's why they watch so much film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you can kind of – you can try to simplify things too. Like you were saying, one high, two high, and then that like it kind of eliminates a lot of things that way. But at the end of the day, it's still a lot of, a lot of different looks you're going to have to go through and figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, what would be some advice that you would have for young athletes today that have people who are doubting them, you know, whether they're from a small town or they say they're not gifted enough, like what's your advice? How do they shrug off those people? I think you can either, like you can either let it bring you down or you can just use it as fuel, you know, like there's really the only two options. So you just have to be able to, to kind of move past it and use that as inspiration to be better and just prove people wrong. Yeah. That's good advice, you know. You, you got two options. Either let it affect you or, you know, shut them up. Exactly. You can have excuse or results. You can't have both. Yeah. Yeah, What's so good? you just have to be able to be able to use it, you know. Can't let it affect you in a negative way. Yeah. What's the, the biggest adversity that you've had to overcome so far? Um. Honestly, just – Coming from my school, there wasn't a lot of recruiting, so just making it through JUCO, I think, was a a pretty big step for me. You know, it was like, like I said, a big learning curve there, and then I ended up having to be there for a long time just with COVID and everything. And so just kind of mentally staying with it the whole time and, and not losing the passion and the love um, was was probably a, a big challenge um, for me. Yeah, and I've had a, a JUCO guy on the on the show before, and he kind of explained the the quote unquote JUCO grind. And some people don't get it, but it sounds real and it sounds you know hard because you don't have the luxuries that Division One sports do, and you're on long bus rides, and you know you, you still got to go to class and whatnot. But then you've got practice, and it's just not as luxurious as people make it seem. No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> so you were at Butte before. You said you decided to enter the transfer portal because no one wants to stay at a JUCO. It's kind of a stepping stone place for everybody. What was the transfer portal like for you? How was your experience with that? So my experience transferring is probably different than like a, a transfer portal guy from like a D1 school, just because at JUCO, it is like you said, a stepping stone. Like, you know, you're getting in for a couple years and then you're getting out. Um, transferring out for me was honestly really difficult because it was the first one of the first couple of years that the the portal had really taken off. 
So a lot of schools weren't really looking for JUCO guys. They were looking for portal guys. And I know it's still the case now where it's pretty difficult to get out of JUCO, but I think it's kind of getting a little better. But there was just not a lot of, like, schools that wanted a JUCO quarterback, you know, when they could take a third string from Georgia or something, you know. Right. Um, and so so just trying to, to reach out to as many coaches as possible, you know, Twitter. My coaches were – just huge helps, you know, with all their connections and everything. So, so it was definitely a difficult process trying to get out. You said your coaches helped you with their connections. And that's uh, something that I don't think a lot of people know is these football coaches, they're all connected somehow, you know, whether they coach are currently coaching with a guy who, who coached with someone else or whether, you know, there's a full staff change from one school to another, they just have connections everywhere and you never know who, you know, and how they're going to help you out in the long run. It's actually crazy how many connections that they had. Like you could say a random D2 school in some the middle of nowhere and they would know they played with a guy who coached with a guy who, who was there. And I was like, oh, man, like, it's crazy how they just know everyone. It goes so deep. And they, it's like they have tabs on everybody. Like, oh, you know, I coached with him in 2008 back in Iowa. And now he's yeah. here and he actually coached with, you know, this guy who knows John Madden. And I'm like, what? Yeah, exactly. It's crazy they keep tabs on everybody and it's actually really interesting. It's like a, it's a brotherhood for them. Oh, definitely. So you've been at Weaver state for a full year. Now you're going into your second season. Would you say you've picked up on the culture at Weaver state? Oh, definitely. And the what's culture that culture like? Great. It's been really great. Um, coming in, I really wasn't sure what to expect, you know, um, just a whole new place, new system and everything. But, but the culture was great. It was really big family atmosphere. Um, which I'm sure, you know, everyone says that, but like it really was and, and just getting to know the guys and everything was was huge and they just kind of took me in. Um, and so it was just really helpful. Like I don't think there was a, a single bad dude on the team. Everyone was really close and really helpful, so it was just awesome. The smooth transition from Butte to Weaver. Yeah, definitely. And that always helps, you know, you never know what you're getting into when you go to it when you transfer just because like you said, it's a new place, new system, new guys. You don't know necessarily how you're going to fit in with the chemistry or, you know, are guys in your position group going to be pissed off that they're bringing in a quarterback? You know, it seems like mm-hmm. they're trying to replace them. But, you know, that's the coach's jobs, too, is to find someone better than they already have. Yeah. And, I mean, I've been blessed, too. The The quarterback rooms that we've had have been really great. We've all, we've all been really close, so that's been super nice. Absolutely. So you're in the off season, starting to get into that summer training. Guys are make, looking to make a push, you know, at the start of the season, start strong. What's one thing that you're trying to get better at this off season? This off season, I have some, um, like the just kind of my whole life. I've been a lot more mobile as a quarterback. Um, just kind of was forced to in high school in terms of just scrambling around, and then at my JUCO, we just had me running around a lot. So just kind of working on just being more of a pro style pocket passer, you know, um just more sound as like as the sound as I can be, you know, as comfortable as I can be just to add it to the, the mobility aspect that I've always played with. Yeah. And I guess that kind of kicks off in the next question is what's your style, but so you're a mobile quarterback, you're looking to be a, have a little bit more pocket presence is what you're mm-hmm. trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just kind of like, I, I still obviously have done a lot of pocket stuff. It's just, right. Just being, better you know just working on the little things here and there that I maybe didn't know back in the day or just wasn't as as good at you know 
um, just being more comfortable working on all the sound mechanics and everything. Yeah. Who would you uh, compare your, yourself to if you had to compare yourself to an NFL quarterback, kind of your style? I know you talked about mobile guys, but, you know, a specific player. Um, I would probably say right now I'd probably go with like Josh Allen type maybe where he doesn't like run cause he like all the time feeling like he needs to, but he definitely is like a threat on the ground. Absolutely. Yeah. He's a really good athlete. He can, he can do it all. He can run. He can, he's powerful. He's strong. He's got a big arm. He's smart. He doesn't make bad throws. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think if I could, like, obviously I'm, I'm going to have a little different style than him, but if I could just try to keep modeling after that and just improve to, to that style of play, you know, that's, that's what I would compare myself to probably. I think every organization would want a Josh Allen. So I would say that's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, right think he's not a bad guy right now, huh? No, he's a pretty good quarterback, pretty solid. I think we skipped over this question. I'm just going to kind of backtrack to it a little bit. What's the best advice you can give kids that are trying to get recruited right now? How do they get themselves out there? Um, just honestly getting your name out there um, as much as you can and just putting in the work. I think a lot of guys like that I knew just kind of thought it would, it would come because they were putting in the work, but they weren't really trying to reach out to coaches. So I think that's a lot of it. And then there was other guys where they maybe were just trying to reach out to a bunch of coaches, but they weren't as good on the field or as good in the classroom. So just making sure that you're putting in as much work as you can on both sides of that, you know? Yeah. And like you said, putting in work in the classroom, I don't think, uh, you know, people understand how important that is because if you don't have the grades, you're not going to be able to get in. I mean, I know football can pull some strings, but, you know, say, uh, I know, I know a guy who's getting recruited by Harvard. And he really wanted to go, but he didn't have the grades to get into Harvard. Well, now he can't go because, he, you know, he just didn't have the, the good enough grades. And so you got to take that stuff seriously, especially in high school, because it does matter. Definitely. And you got to get cleared by the NCAA. There's the clearinghouse. So if you're not eligible, well, then right away you're getting shot down from schools. Yeah, that's that's, I think, another one that people probably don't realize is is how important that is. You know, just staying on top of the grades. And it matters when you get into college because if you think, oh, it's college, you know, I'm paying for it. I don't need to go to class. Well, they do they do grade checks. And, if you know, you have to go to your, your study hours if you don't, you're not getting the good grades or they'll check your classes to make yeah. sure you're there. Yeah, it's all it's a lot of extra stuff that people maybe don't realize as, a, as the life of a student athlete. The athlete, I mean, the student part's a big aspect of it. Oh, it absolutely is. And it's if you don't do those things, I don't know how it is at Weaver, but at NDSU, you know, there will be some sort of punishment. You know, you'll have to do what we call a bison reminder or something like that because we are student athletes and, you know, it's not just about being a product on the field. It's about being in the classroom and having a good reputation with the community and everything like that. Definitely. Yeah. Cause ultimately like you're trying to set up for your future beyond football too. Cause eventually, you know, football ends, it doesn't matter if you're Tom Brady or if you're, someone else that's going to play for, I don't know, just at two years to junior college, it's going to end someday. So being able to put in the work in the classroom too is huge just to set yourself up after football. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's that cliche, you know, the NFL stands for not for long. So even the guys that do get an opportunity, it doesn't last forever. And like you said, you have to do something, you know, football ends at one point and 
you need something to do after that because not a lot of people make enough money to be able to just retire after a couple of years in the NFL. It doesn't work yeah. like that. So it's interesting. And I think uh, at, athletics are awesome, but it also comes down to the academics part and people are starting to figure that out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Has the NIL affected Weber at all in a positive or negative way? Um, I know there's a couple guys that have been doing some NIL stuff, but it hasn't been like a huge factor yet for us. Um, I'm not sure how much it's really affecting recruiting negatively for us or positively, I guess. But I know that, I mean, obviously we're not going to be able to have as many NIL deals as the big school, you know, like Bama and Clemson and all them are going crazy with NIL stuff. But so I'm not sure how much we've been affected by that in terms of recruiting. But the guys on my team, I know there's some some guys that have had some deals and stuff, but it's not a huge factor that I've noticed yet. Right. Yep. And I would say it's the same thing over here. It's uh, it's just, it's the FCS, you know, we don't have, we can't give these recruits the money that those big power five schools are offering. And I, I know it has affected recruiting a little bit, but also for the guys on the team, it's not like they're getting these crazy NIL deals where, you know, they're doing commercials, they're doing advertisements yeah. and whatnot to get those checks. Yeah. But I mean, I'm all for it. You know, if you can get a deal, go for it, you know, like, like the guys that are getting it, I think it's awesome on my team. I think the, the more they can help themselves out, the better. Yeah, again, setting yourself up for success after football. If you can get some money, put it away, do good things with it, then more the merrier. Definitely. And at the FCS level, you know, we have less scholarships. So if you can get a guy who can, you know, help out a little bit or maybe he's going to pay off some of his school with that, it's awesome. You can yeah, really that's a huge part too. Money. Yeah. Do you have a, a welcome to college football moment? Um, man, not like, there's not really one that like kind of like sticks out as like a, like I got smacked in the pocket or something. Um, just kind of just the culture in general for me was the, the shock. At Weber or at Butte? Um, at Butte, just, just coming from, from the high school I was at into the, the level of play at college, um, for me was the the welcome to college football i guess it wasn't like a like a big hit or like a big play or anything it was just like the okay this is like a this is real football this is this is big time you know you're an 18 year old kid and there's 22 year old you know grown men trying to chase you down yeah exactly good talent there's not you know it's juco is not a joke there's guys there that are really talented football players that end up going to power five schools and whatnot And that's the the thing that people don't realize about JUCO also is like the range of of athletes that are there because you maybe get some guys that that weren't as good or they were under recruited in high school you know um, so they're there maybe like some not the highest level but they're good and then you get like the power five bounce backs and stuff like that where they maybe they couldn't make grades or something in NCAA so they had to go to junior college. So just the range of athletes and skill level is crazy. Yeah, we had a kid from Iowa Western that we recruited as a fullback here. And uh, he was telling us about a game he played against some team. And the the guys he was kicking out, one of them committed to Oklahoma after that season. And then the other one committed to Florida State. And he's now in the NFL. I can't remember. Yeah. But he was like, I had two DNs. And one was an Oklahoma commit and one was going to Florida State. So he's like, there's really good talent out there. Yeah, definitely. 
So now we're going to get into the, the football talk segment. The audience loved it. We did it with a wrestler last time. That was the first time we did it. Um, now we're going to do football talk. So I'm going to give Brian some terms that the average you know football fan might not know. And as quickly as he can, he's going to give us the answer. So whenever you're ready, we'll take off with it. Yep, let's do it. RPO. So RPO is the run pass option. It's like a, an expansion kind of on the run game where if you don't like the look in the box with what the, the linebackers and the D-line are doing, then it adds a pass onto it so you can throw it out to a receiver. So it just kind of adds another aspect, a little wrinkle into the game that makes it more difficult for the defense. When a defense has too high. So too high is too high, one high. We're talking about the safeties. So when it's too high, you have two different safeties out there um, and they're kind of split in the field. So it's going to change the coverages um, versus like a one high. Then it's just kind of one safety in the middle or you shade into a side, you know. Um, so it just kind of changes the coverage looks and then what they can do underneath with that. An unbalanced formation. Unbalanced formation is when one side is overloaded and one side's less. It's that one's pretty, uh, pretty self-explanatory. It it just gives more guys to one side, so it changes the look um, for the defense. You know, they have to maybe make some adjustments to that and gives you more options on, on one side. Fib. Fib is formation into boundary. So like say you have an unbalanced formation or if you go three by one where three receivers are on one side and one receiver's on the left side, and then you go, you're on the right hash and you put the three receivers on the right side, then it kind of cram it in on the right. And that would be the formation of the boundary. The difference between a shift and a motion. So a shift is going to be like uh, multiple players moving, kind of like changing the formation. So you could have maybe like a, a tight end and a wing on the left, and then you shift them over to the right just to see how the defense adjusts to that. And then a motion is going to be more like on the move, you snap it. So maybe like a receiver going in a, a fly motion, um, and then you snap it while they're moving at you versus letting them get set into a new formation. Difference between no huddle and a two-minute operation. So no huddle it's similar in the the fact that you're getting up and getting set, but no huddle. You want to get set quick, but you don't necessarily have to snap it quick. You you want to get set and see what they do and give yourself time still. Where two minute is the clock's running down, so you need to get up and go as quick as you can. You absolutely killed that. That was awesome. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was uh, incredible. I really I really enjoy those just to hear other people's responses and how they you know deem some of these terms. Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Well, that's the episode, guys. That's all the questions I have for Brian. Uh, he was a really impressive guest. He had a lot of good things to say. Brian, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule, especially on a Sunday, to record this with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad we got this worked out. Yeah, no problem. Guys, continue to share this. Spread the love. We've had some, some awesome growth again. Uh, a lot of new viewers from our last episode. So continue to push this in the right direction. And we'll get some more guests out to you soon. Take care and have a great day.